Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. We want to tackle mental health holistically. Every community, even our police department with suicides being the high, one of the highest in the country, they need a place that's investing in making sure that their mental health is where it needs to be. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. Happy New Year to all. And Happy New Year to Jamal Green, tops on the ballot for mayor of Chicago. How are you, sir? I'm so good. Thank you so much uh, for having me on your show, Fran. You have unveiled a very comprehensive uh, public safety and security and empowerment plan for Chicago. It's so much to swallow that I thought the best approach to this would be to have you on the show and give you 30 minutes to talk about it. Um, You're already campaigning for mayor on a promise to reverse the black exodus from Chicago by creating 10,000 new homeowners who will repopulate South and West side communities to finance that you have proposed a bank of Chicago. Now, Part of your safety plan relies on this, but it goes a whole lot further. Let's talk about uh, some of your ideas. We're going to go through them, and then we'll talk about how you plan to pay for it. You are proposing to give prosperity checks to 10,000 Chicagoans living below the poverty line, creating 10,000 new homeowners, developing 10,000 vacant lots, and developing 10,000 affordable housing units each year. First of all, this 10,000 prosperity checks, $1,000 a month, is double what the city's guaranteed income uh, pilot that's only 12 months long would go. Why double that money? Where's that money going to come from? Well, you know, this is this is um, a plan to really start to push people out of poverty. And when we talk about economic prosperity, which is one of the key pillars of our epic plan, our first pillar is we got to make sure that we're bringing these neighborhoods uh, into better conditions and we must be investing in people 
giving them the foundation they need so that they can live healthier and sustainable lives. So when you talk about the uh, 10,000 uh, um, prosperity checks, you have a situation where, you know, we will give $1,000 a month um, for a year um, for those folks who meet a few requirements. Uh, you have to uh, secure a, a job within 90 days. You have to either um, secure a job or secure housing, educational enrollment, or um, substance abuse treatment. If you do one of those things, you get $1,000 a month um, for the rest of the year, as well as every single participant is required to complete a financial literacy uh, course. Um, and so uh, uh, this type of plan uh, is so important when we're talking about pushing people out of poverty. Uh, it's a $150 million plan. Um, and, you know, we we have many different ways of how we're going to pay for it. And, and obviously um, there's a budget for it. Um, and our main thing is to make sure that people understand that when we're talking about investing in, and in, in, uh, we're talking about violence and the root causes, we must invest in people and invest in communities. That's the only way we're going to have long-term success um, instead of just constantly pouring money uh, into, um, you know, uh, uh, solutions that uh, are, aren't really solutions. So what is the price tag for this part of it? For this part of it, it is $150 million. And where um, does that come well, from? Where does that come um, from? Because the city's version is 33 or $35 million and it's half the money 100%. and half the people. Well, you know, it's it's several places that, that we can get the money. Um, you know, even in this past budget, um, we had 200 plus million that she decided to throw an extra payment on the, the pension crisis. This is actually, you know, a very minimal amount of money to have a large impact, right? Because you have those people who are going to use that money to pour back into the uh, economy. Um, and at the end of the day, it's going to have a long term uh, impact on these communities and make a large difference. So um, either we will, 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 will find a few different places where we can take the money or, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take out a bond for it. But there's many different ways that we can, you know, have $150 million. This is just, this just has to be a priority and this will be a priority for us and we will uh, make sure that it's fully funded. What happens after the year is over? Um, well, you know, then we do it again. Right. I think that, you know, the same uh, people we, with the same people. So the, the people will be eligible to apply again. It will be one year uh, for them, a thousand dollars a month. They meet the requirements um, and depending on the circumstances after the year, they'll be able to reapply. Um, so every year will be a new application process um, um, for either a new 10,000 or some of the same people um, who we still have to make sure that we get to the, the finish line. Now, the 10,000 homes and 10,000 lots, you're talking about using a billion dollars in bonding capacity to back loans and make first-time home buying accessible to people, uh, the city providing the initial down payment and closing costs if assistance is needed, working with the county to initiate tax freezes on 10,000 vacant properties, um, and, send, and so where does that money come from? How much is that and where does that come from and what's the goal there? 
Well, you, you just said it. You know, we would use our bonded capacity there. We would bring back a single family mortgage bond. It was used many years ago. Uh, and essentially, it's it's kind of a, a revolving fund. You know, so what happens is um, we'll have kind of our own um, FHA style program. We will be backing home loans in underserved communities. Um, and what, happen is, what happens is, you know, as long as they're paying their mortgage payments, um, we'll be able to um, um, service their mortgages uh, to someone else after a short period of time. That money comes right back uh, and it goes back to um, um, another homeowner. So, you know, it's more of a revolving fund. And, and we think that uh, in the market where if we're backing home loans at, um, you know, a lower percentage rate than the market and then selling them after a period of time, showing that these these uh, um, homeowners are not defaulting, um, you know, it's a benefit to everybody. It's a benefit to the city, to the homeowners, uh, as well as to the ins- institutions that are servicing them. Is that where your Bank of Chicago comes in? Are they involved in this uh, these home loans? So yeah, uh, so that's another piece of it, right? And and so obviously the the public bank is something that's going to go through a more rigorous process to get passed. Um, and so essentially, our single family mortgage bond would be a priority to start with, um, as we are campaigning for the public uh, bank and rallying the aldermen, um, going to the state legislature. You know, it's a few things that we got to do there so that we can be able to get a bank charter here in the city of Chicago. Once we do have the Bank of Chicago and um, you know, we are able to have uh, put forth a priority of loans, whether it be to mortgages, to small businesses, to income based housing development, et cetera. You know, we will have uh, a real unique opportunity to have an economic engine that does a lot of the things that um, we're talking about doing. So um, the single family mortgage bond uh, helped get us there for now until we have a public bank um, that would then, uh, um, you know, take over from there. But the city doesn't have unlimited bonding capacity. The city is borrowed to the hilt to begin with. Where does this billion dollar capacity come from and what would you sacrifice? Well, you know, we we actually we have the bonding capacity. I think now we will also look at um, some of the bonds that um, have been used um, and and switch them out if need be. Um, this has to be a priority, right? And when we're talking about um, uh, at public safety, like there's no investment too big to get our city safer. And when we say that we want to make sure that we're repopulating these neighborhoods, come on these blocks. In the neighborhoods with the most crime, there isn't one block that has no vacancies, right? So you have um, uh, every block throughout these neighborhoods that have multiple vacancies, multiple vacant lots, um, abandoned buildings that uh, people are doing criminal activity in. Um, and so we have a unique opportunity now to say, what are we? What can we invest in that'll give us a long-term impact? And that is... Um, backing home loans, helping that with down payment and closing cost assistance for those folks who are uh, currently in those neighborhoods or those folks who left those neighborhoods but have roots in those neighborhoods who want to come back so that we can have stakeholders on the block that then um, have ownership of where they they stay. And then we're going to also invest in um, one of the other pieces of the plan is um, 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 a um, block club program where we're incentivizing 
block clubs um, to organize and be active. Uh, and so, you know, that's that's also the next piece. So we're going to create new homeowners, going to teach them how to, 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 to maintain their homes. And then we're going to create block clubs so we can organize around their blocks and make sure that they have the technology they need, um, you know, to keep people safe. Um, and we got to do this block by block and neighborhood by neighborhood. And that's what we're You're talking do. about grants for these block clubs to incentivize yep. them. What would they use the money for? Many different things, whether it is beautifying the block, whether it is cameras, if they want to, um, you know, uh, uh, help folks uh, get cameras in certain places on a block, whether it's um, block club uh, um, parties. Right. Um, you know, there are many different things that the blocks can use the money for to, um, you know, incentivize. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, to, to get people involved. Um, you know, it could be a neighborhood uh, park or, or a, a lot on the, um, you know, block that needs a few benches or putting a bench or a sign on a block or, you know, many different things that we think that, that, that blocks need to show those folks who would be doing criminal activity that, um, you know, uh, that this block is not going to stand for it. And um, so, you know, uh, I think that, that a, a block club program is very important. The city spends millions of dollars on summer youth programs. You would start a year-round jobs program for kids 13 to 25, and uh, you would give businesses that participate uh, payroll support from the city. Why are you doing this? How much would that cost? How many jobs are we talking about? And where would the money come from? So um, when you're talking about the um, apprenticeship program, right, we have so many of our young people who are out here um, without safe places to go. They're not learning skills. They're not getting into career fields. Uh, and that's a major, major problem. And so we're talking about making sure that young people are working year round. That means, you know, uh, um, creating a, an apprenticeship program in which um, um, that means creating an apprenticeship program in which young people can learn skills all across the city of Chicago and small businesses and in corporations. Um, we're talking about making sure that thousands of youth uh, are working starting at the age of 13 years old. You know, we have the, the, the unique opportunity right now to make sure that young people have a safe place to go and they have a job opportunity or an apprenticeship where they can um, get into a career field and have a pipeline to their career field um, so that they uh, can get further in life. And that's that's what's, um, you know, super important to me. How many young people would you employ and how much would that cost? Well, you know, we're looking at a, um, a, a we're using 10,000 again to start with. Um, we believe that will be a $150 million program. Um, we found several pieces of the CPS budget um, that, you know, uh, or different budgets, um, whether it be um, CPS for their public schools, uh, um, kids um, and, and a different uh, um, different budgets in the, the, the city's budget that can also supplement that as well for kids that are not in public schools. You're also talking about creating tech programs and uh, training, you know, vocational training programs in every school. What is that about and where does that money come from? Well, we got to have a pipeline of middle-class jobs, right? And 
um, you know, one of the biggest things is when we talk about um, making sure that young people have a pipeline of middle class jobs, you know, we always say, you know, school or college, um, and that's just not the case for everyone, right? We need to make sure that um, we have trade programs throughout the city of Chicago, right? Tech hubs throughout the city of Chicago that is, you know, uh, uh, funded with staff members um, there to make sure that, that, that they understand the career field and learn skills um, and have a pipeline of jobs, right? You know, there are many different companies out there that's looking for new talent. Our kids are smarter than Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, okay? And, but the problem is, is they're not getting the investment um, that they need. And that's what must change. We must make sure that kids all across this city, uh, if they want to be the new tech owners, if they want to build an electric car, if they want to be an electrician or a plumber, um, that there are programs in their neighborhoods, in their schools uh, to do so. Um, right now, we have that tag, that $40 million, um, you know, that would be um, a piece of um, the Chicago Public Schools budget. You're also talking about hiring young people to be administrators at this at the Chicago Police Department to create some kind of pipeline for them to want to join the police department, which is having yep. trouble recruiting now. Right. Yep. Yep. We got to have a pipeline there. And and so, you know, I think that what we're doing is we're we're given um, a large budget, almost two billion dollars a year in operational uh, costs just for sworn uh, officers. And, um, you know, uh, um, we must make sure that we're investing money where it makes sense, making sure that young people are involved in the process, making sure that civilians, uh, that we increase the amount of civilians in the police department that are helping to create these um, block clubs, uh, creating a youth intervention department um, where they can uh, um, help young people get on the right path. Um, you know, we got to start spending wisely and we're, we need to be spending in a way that is giving us some long, uh, some, some real results in these communities community short and long term. Uh, and that was one of those pieces is making sure that young people um, are working uh, uh, in police stations and understanding the, the, the job and doing some administrative work um, and kind of getting a little mentorship, um, uh, I believe, from police officers that can make them want to be police in the future. To combat homelessness, you're talking about passing the Bring Home Chicago ordinance, which would raise the real estate transfer tax on high-end home sales. That's something that Lori Lightfoot campaigned on, has not delivered. And you're also talking about giving subsidies to big box stores and grocery stores uh, to build housing, affordable housing, one yeah. floor above. Grocery yep. stores, banks, churches, yeah. big box stores. That's an innovative idea. What kind of yeah. a break are you talking about and how many units might you create by doing that? We could, you know, we want to create, uh, you know, our, our lucky number that we keep talking about uh, is 10,000 right now. <laughs> and everything's you know, 10,000. Like, we like, hey, what a magical number. <laughs> we, we like that 10,000 because it's a measurable goal, right? If we say we want to back 10,000 home loans, we want to create 10,000 affordable housing units, this stuff is not out of the ordinary. Well, right now they're only doing a couple thousand affordable housing units a year. And then you see, you know, uh, um, 65,000 homeless people, you 
you see many folks who have been on a waiting list for many years. We even had Alderman um, Jeanette Taylor, who was uh, on CHA's um, wait list for 18 years before they said, oh, we finally found a space for you. We got to increase our affordable housing supply. And so we want to uh, incentivize uh, developers, um, you know, by giving subsidies and saying, you know, build on top all of our new big stores um, that are coming in the neighborhood, all of our existing stores, uh, um, you know, in our neighborhoods, the banks, the churches. Uh, if you have one, a single level um, building, we want to, you know, see how we can create as many affordable housing units on top um, of those buildings and we'll incentivize them uh, to do so and help help them pay uh, um, for a portion of it. We got to increase our housing supply uh, in record time. And that's one of the ways that we can do so. And we got to pass the Bring Chicago Home, home Ordinance, right? We got to have a dedicated funding stream um, um, for homelessness in the city of Chicago. And that will do so. Lori Lightfoot campaigned on it. I supported it and I still support it. Um, you know, putting a, a small tax on, on luxury homes, um, I don't think pushes anyone away. Uh, and, and that will give a dedicated stream to also have some funding that can uh, go towards, um, you know, uh, uh, building on top of uh, buildings and even loosening up the single family um, uh, ordinance and, and allowing folks to build on top of their homes, too. How can we, um, uh, in an innovative way, build affordable housing units all across the city in any neighborhood? And that's what we, that's what this plan talks about. You're talking about really ramping up the creation of affordable housing. Everything is being done yes. now is kind of a trickle. It's a trickle and, and it takes too long. Right. And and I think that, you know, they put out a story, an article just a couple of years ago that said Chicago is behind on one hundred and twenty thousand affordable housing units. You know, we knocked down project buildings many years ago and promised those folks that they were building affordable housing units and they would have one. And that never happened. And so to say we need to be building 10,000 at least a year so that we can ramp up affordable our affordable housing supply, um, it just makes the most sense. It's measurable um, and is it's, you know, uh, just the right thing to do. Universal 3K. What's that? Yes. Uh, one of my one of my favorite plans. Young people throughout the city, um, you know, uh, need to start learning early. You know, we really need to start developing minds in an early stage. We've looked at other countries and how um, um, they approach it. Um, and we want to bring an innovative uh, um, uh, piece to uh, to our city. And there are other cities in America that are piloting, piloting this program. Um, other big cities like New York. We need to make sure that young people as early as three years old um, start to have programs throughout um, our public school system so they can start learning early. So Universal 3K uh, is a program before for pre-K so that young people can get the developmental um, 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 guidance and skills that they need. Um, it'll help them long-term uh, and our kids will be smarter, right? And uh, that's what we want in the city of Chicago. If we want a better future in Chicago, we got to invest in our future. And that means starting early. And that really helps our mothers and our single mothers as well who, um, you know, need to work uh, and, you know, they, they need childcare and things of that sort. Let's grab these young, young, young kids, three years old. I have a three-year-old boy now. Uh, let's grab them now and make sure that they are, uh, that we're stimulating their minds and getting them ready um, for real curriculum. All of this sounds wonderful, but the price tag on Universal 3K at the Chicago Public Schools, a whole new workforce of people or extra hours for people who are ready that work there, it's extraordinary. What's the cost on that and where does the money well, come from? 
you know, you know. Let, let me let me just say this about the price tag, friend. I don't, I, there's not a large price tag in anything that that we're saying. It's about prioritizing our spending, right? With a ten billion dollar budget of CPS, with a, a sixteen point four billion, seven billion, sixteen point seven billion dollars uh, uh, in the mayor's office, we got billions of dollars um, at our disposal, and we're wasting a lot of it because we want to be political with our spending. That is going to change. So we're going to start prioritizing what works. Um, so instead of uh, um, um, funding measures that are just response um, to the problems, we're going to invest in preventative and inter, uh, uh, preventative solutions and intervene um, um, when necessary um, uh, to make sure that people are being productive throughout our city. So, you know, it's no su- such thing as it's too much to create a safer city. Businesses are leaving. Families are leaving at a record uh, um, uh, amount. Young people are hopeless. Young people are carjacking. Young people are killing and being killed in our city. We're in a state of emergency, and we can't continue to do the same things that aren't working. We have to invest in young people, invest in adults, invest invest in a workforce, invest in housing, invest in uh, um, um, you know uh, supportive police system. We have to do what's necessary to get our city where it needs to be for a city that everyone wants to live in. Healing houses. This is your version of the reopening of mental health clinics that Rahm Emanuel closed down that Lori Lightfoot promised to reopen and has not. What is a healing home or a healing house and how is it different from a mental health clinic? Yes. Um, so, you know, we, we must um, reopen our mental health facilities in our city. It, it is, you know, when we look at what has happened since we shut them down um, and how folks have been, I mean, we have folks on our trains who are not only homeless, but have mental um, illness and, and it's not being treated and there's no support for them. This must happen. And so we will reopen the mental health facilities. But one of the things that, you know, they always talked about is making sure that we get them in the facilities and, and make them want to be uh, make them want to uh, come into the facility. So that's why we're changing it to a holistic way of healing. Right. When we talk about wellness, it's not, uh, you know, uh, a, a crazy house in their view. Right. It is an institution that not only has psychiatry and other forms forms of therapy like yoga and the massage therapy, but it has, you know, boxing and uh, all, uh, uh, all these other different ways on how to heal people holistically um, in and in in where it's an institution where our young people, where police, where the community members want to go and wind down and, you know, uh, uh, has different um, um, spa uh, uh, treatments as well. Like this is a, a full, um, and we call it a healing house because um, we want to tackle mental health holistically uh, and make this a place where people actually want to go uh, and, you know, get the services that they need, especially every single day. Folks are, you know, depression is at an all time high in every community, even our police department with suicides being the high, one of the highest in the country. Um, People working long days, they need a place where, um, you know, that they need a place that's investing and making sure that their mental health is where it needs to be. The CTA is still struggling to lure back riders. Crime is an issue. Uh, It's one of the issues and not just the uh, work at home thing that continues. Um, You say we should create an armed 
and an unarmed force of transit peacekeepers, a protection agency, to ensure yep. that riders and staff are protected. How many yep. people are we talking about? How would that work? Well, you know, uh, we're talking about several hundred. Uh, I mean, I think that, you know, this is something that they've been asking for for a while. Um, you know, it's been up in the air if we're, you know, hey, all of them going to be armed, all of them going to be unarmed. You know, we, we, we think that, you know, we can do both. Um, we can have unarmed um, uh, workers who actually are, you know, helping on the trains to analyze situations alongside social workers. Um, we need to call a state of emergency on CT. Honestly, and really make sure that the resources and the attention is needed um, to get it clean, to get it safe and get it fast. Uh, and those workers also um, you need to feel valued. And so um, we must make sure they feel valued and protected and giving them a force of folks who um, will uh, frequent the trains to uh, help folks get services, uh, as well as folks on there who are ready to respond um, to violent situations is needed. Um, and so that, that's an investment that um, we'll make. Um, and I think that over time, as we are making sure that we invest in the root causes of what's going on, um, it'll start to phase out. Um, and the amount of officers um, or the amount of peacekeepers rather on um, uh, public transit will start to dwindle down because we'll start to get control of our uh, of safety. You know, we when we look at investment, Fran, it's, it's not about how do we keep investing every year and keep increasing the budget. You know, if we're increasing a budget of CPD every year, then there's a problem. If we are increasing um, the budget for response systems, then obviously the other things that we're doing is not working. So we're going to invest in a way where, you know, uh, uh, communities are safer, people are more productive, um, jobs are, are being created, um, where we have a, a healthier um, communities. And if we do that, um, then our investment long term, um, you know, uh, will make more money in the end and we'll, we'll, we won't have to spend as much um, to protect people. You're talking about a citywide citizens app type thing, a city run crime app. How does that differ from the citizens app and what is the purpose there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not much, much to differ. I think the, um, the, the difference is, is that we actually have the data, the, the real time data. A lot of the citizen app have, um, just, you know, folks who, um, post things, um, that's not actually vetted. Um, and we want to make sure that we, you know, we're, we're investing in a whole, a bunch of pieces of technology, not just, um, the, the app so that folks can be alerted to what's actually going on in the neighborhoods, but also an app to, re to rate police officers. Right. Uh, and which folks, if they're pulled over um, or have an interaction with police, they'll be able to go on an app and put in a badge number and rate that police officer interaction, whether good or bad. We can reward police officers for um, good interactions and they'll be able to upload things to that app in real time so that we can see those situations and, it, and, it, and we can get proper investigations. Um, so a whole bunch of different pieces of civic uh, technology is what we're going to invest in. A citywide employment app so that folks know where the, the nearest uh, jobs are in their neighborhoods. Um, we must bring uh, government into the, the modern world and then 21st century. Uh, and that's what we're going to do. I'm the youngest candidate ever. Obviously, technology um, is going to be a big piece um, for us and make government run a little bit easier. You're talking about using vehicle tracking devices to cut down on the carjackings. 
you're talking about supplying 100,000 vehicle owners with Apple AirTags or Samsung AirTags that can track their vehicles. This technology has major problems with people stalking other people, using it to track their movements. That's a scary proposition you've got here. Well, you know, I think that, you know, it's something that we're still looking at. Um, A lot of this, a lot of this is um, not the actual device. It's the people in control of the device. Right. Uh, Apple um, has a real problem in regards to sharing information in regards to um, their device and making sure that um, they change features of it. Um, And we got to hold them accountable to that. Um, uh, We will we will not stand by and allow Apple and anyone else um, move forward any device that is going to target Chicagoans. Um, So when we talk about um, the tracking devices, we're going to properly vet um, the tracking device. We're going to have a relationship with the um, corporate owner of that device, as well as have, um, you know, uh, uh, um, information sharing so that we can be able to do um, our jobs the best and track down vehicles. Um, it's had problems in the past, and those problems are really attributed um, to the leaders uh, over at Apple. Um, and it's something that, that, that will step up against them or we'll do an RFP and look for other tracking devices um, um, uh, uh, manufacturers that um, um, can bring us um, another piece, another device that can work. But we must address that, right? We have a situation, carjacking situation that is at an all-time high, um, and we need to invest in systems that um, will help us track vehicles in real time, uh, not after they've already committed seven different crimes and dropped the car. Um, and we need to be able to track those vehicles and get those vehicles uh, and make sure that they know that um, they that they will be held accountable. You're also talking about new uh, taking the new light poles that the city is installing and fitting them with image sensors, environmental sensors, cameras, yeah. concealed yeah. speakers and emergency blue light stations. What's yes. that about? Well, that that goes back to new technology, right? If we're talking about making communities safe, they need to be brighter. They need to have, um, you know, cameras that actually work. They need to have uh, speakers so that we can hear sound. They need to have call stations all of, at, at every um, major intersection, right? In which um, um, folks, if they're in emergency, they can go to that call station and get um, an immediate response. Um, we must invest in technology to to really help citizens in these communities and right now they don't feel safe and I think with better lighting knowing that folks would be um, uh, uh, recorded uh, and knowing that they have an ability to uh, get an automatic response with a call station uh, at least make people feel a sense of safety in their communities and um, so it's something that um, we want to invest in. Police morale is at an all-time low, as we know. They uh, yeah. Cops are running for the hills. They're retiring faster than the city can hire their replacements. And so yeah. you would change their workday to a four-day workday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You would uh, reduce their canceled days off. Um, yeah. You would also uh, uh, give them an extra day off. T- tell us what you would do to try to improve the health the mental health of, of yes. police officers in yep. amid this wave of suicides. Well, you know, I think that the city has used this play to overwork police year after year, making, um, you know, that took a toll that takes a toll on their mental health each and every day. And that doesn't get us results. You know, I can, I can see if 
we'll say, oh, you know, we, we see some major results with doing this plan. But there's no major results in making officers work every single day, missing their families, um, you know, putting them in and depression, causing an amount of suicide. So we're going to make the job of policing a little bit more attractive. We would change the work day to um, work week to a four day um, uh, work week in which um, there, it will be two days on one mental health day in between and then two days on again and then two days off. Um, and the shift that- is what, 10 hours or eight? Um, no, the shift would, would be 10 to 12 hours. Um, and you know, so it would it still be, straight. well, you know, we've spoken with many officers. We've actually had a, a panel discussion with many officers on a police force. Uh, and you know, this, this makes it better for them if they're doing uh, a long day, uh, and then they know they can have a day off or several days off after that. Um, this actually, um, will help when it comes to burnout. Um, and so, you know, we need a four, four day, three, three um, off um, work week. That's better for them than to put them on uh, every day and then extend their days and uh, um, whenever we feel so or whenever it's a holiday. So we want to change that. We want to make sure. Uh, I'm sorry, Frank, go ahead. Well, you're also going to do some things that might anger some of the police officers. You'd fine them up to $5,000 for intentionally turning off their body cams. You would also require them to carry liability insurance to pay for their own misconduct lawsuits. That'll go over like a lead balloon. Well, well, you know, I think that this this plan is very balanced, right? Um, obviously, there's going to be some things that police officers don't like. A lot of my police officer uh, friends and supporters are not. But there's going to be some great things that they do. Um, we must hold officers accountable. And the reality is, is that the community feels that they're not. Um, we must make sure that when we see affiliations of um, folks who have ties with hate groups, that it's a zero tolerance for that. We must find folks who, you know, are are cutting off body cameras and actually misusing uh, equipment on right, purpose. Right, but why requiring to them to, pay, to carry liability insurance to pay for their own misconduct well, we're lawsuits? Spending, we're, we're spending over 100, we're spending 100 million a year on police misconduct settlement. So it's a plan that, that we're proposing that we, we still are, are going to continue having lots of discussions around, but we, un, until we get to a point where we are not paying a billion dollars over 10 years in police misconduct settlements, then, you know, we we're going to keep on trying. You know, there's no reason we should be spending a hundred million on police misconduct settlements. I got a lot of different things I talked about in this plan. That's a hundred million. We can be spending on real solutions in a community instead of spending a hundred million a year on police misconduct. So and that you're has also to proposing to abolish, not reform, but abolish the yep. gang database. The gang database. Yeah, and I, that I think- is a major piece of intelligence that the police department says they must have. Well, you know, I think that that's up for the debate. Um, and I think that the gang database um, is not appropriate. Um, it is it is very discriminatory. It, I mean, I might be on a gang database because they might have seen a mentor, a mentee of mine's that they may say was in a gang. You know, they just throw people on the gang database who are affiliated with folks. Uh, I mean, it's just um, ridiculous. Uh, it is not a, a good piece of information for them. And we can have other ways uh, of being able to have the intelligence um, that we need. And we're willing to invest in that. So, you know, another great thing about our plan, though, as well is 
We're going to make sure that officers, um, you know, can own a home in the city of Chicago. We'll pay for the the, the um, down payment and closing costs for officers who want to own a home and, and, and be first time homeowners. Right. Um, we're going to make sure that they have um, uh, we're, we're increasing the amount of therapists per per district. Like we really care about the mental health of officers. We want them to be the best uh, at their jobs. We want them to support the community. And we also want to hold them accountable. So we're going to you know, it's a very balanced plan in my view uh, and a lot of officers view, you know, they got things on there. They're not don't, don't like the things that they will. But that's what this is about. We have to get to a common ground. As we wrap this up, Jamal, sum, sum this up. You are not adding police officers. You're not cracking the whip on crime. You're not doing anything harder on crime or increasing penalties. And yet you believe the totality of what you're proposing will get a handle on violent crime. What? Why is this approach the way to go? Because this is the approach that has never been done. We have year after year tried to crack a whip and increase the police budget and increase the amount of officers. We have year after year have done that. It's never worked. This is the way that we can make communities strong. This is the way that people can be productive. This is the way that we can decrease violence and get to a point where it's at levels never seen before, where it almost is non-existent. And at the end of the day, if we want to get to a pathway where in several years, the violence just continues to go down, go down, go down and go away. This is the plan to do um, and invest in people, invest in young people, invest in neighborhoods um, and make sure that we have support systems for the community. This is how you do it. Jamal Green, community activist, youngest mayoral candidate. Thank you so much for joining us. First on the Thank ballot. You so much. And we shall see. Uh, you need the free media because you don't have the money to, to spread your message on uh, on television. So we'll right. see if you get it. Things can happen. Things can happen. Okay. You'll see so. And we'll <laughs> see you all next week. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.